0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 1st, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. When state agents decide that a parent isn't doing the job of parenting well enough, what stands in the way of those agents taking the children away and flipping the burden of proof onto the parents and away from the state. Daniel Greenberg is president of the Advance Arkansas Institute. We spoke at the State Policy Network annual meeting about what can be done to assert that, yes, parents have rights too. For the most part, uh, children don't have a lot of rights that we recognize, Uh, so we look to parents to assure that children are behaving properly, that they're not uh, out there engaging with the world in ways that they shouldn't, and uh, for whatever reason has been decided upon, we have government agencies that make sure that parents are not overstepping Uh, some bounds in taking care of their own children or doing so in a, in a, in a way that society would view as, uh, awful.
1: Yes. Well, so like, like so many problems, uh, uh, this problem began in very good intentions. Uh, it began with a, uh, a a series of articles by, by a doctor who, who discovered that uh, he'd, he'd seen a number of children uh, that appeared to have uh, uh, injuries that were almost certainly created by other people. And this set off a kind of wave of, uh, of child welfare laws. The articles appeared, I think, in, in, uh, in the decade of the 1940s and uh, by the 1960s or 1970s, you had, uh, in just about every state, uh, child abuse and neglect laws. And again, this is all born in, with good intentions, but some of these some of these laws are so broad that they culminated in, in what I would say is uh, uh, aggressive enforcement or, or over enforcement uh, with respect to child safety concerns. I mean, you are probably familiar with the semi-famous case of the uh, Metiev family. Uh, I think that they live about uh, 30 minutes north of the, of the Cato Institute. and when authorities discovered that uh, the Metiev family's children were, Playing in a park uh, about half a mile away from the Mediev family, the uh, Child Protective Services uh, authorities swooped in and uh, put them into custody. And uh, some hours later, after the Medievs were were panicked, uh, didn't know where their children were, uh, CPS called and and told them that uh, they could come and pick their children up and also told them that. their children could not be alone until the case was resolved and that they had to sign a form in order to have cust- get custody of their children back. And, you know, and, and there are a number of anecdotes like this. Uh, you know, in, in Kentucky, a uh, six-month pregnant mom was was uh, uh, made the mistake of running into a convenience store for four minutes uh, to run an errand and left her children in an air-conditioned car. And as a consequence of this, uh, uh, she got enmeshed with the with the police. the The sheriff was was asked about uh, uh, what happened, which was that the woman spent a night in jail. and And the, the sheriff explained that uh, uh, you can't abandon your child. Uh, what you What you're allowed to do is is you're allowed to uh, just step out of the car. But if you abandon your child, even for a moment, you know that's that's another matter entirely. Uh, in Florida, police took away the children of a couple who uh, who let their 11 year old play in the play in the yard, their own yard, unsupervised for 90 minutes. And of course, uh, uh, Illinois, uh, a little bit less famously, uh, Illinois cited a woman for neglect after she uh, let her three children aged five and nine and 11 uh, play in a nearby park where she could see them from her window. Now that finding was overturned by an appellate court. But of course, as as you and I were talking a little bit before we started, just getting enmeshed in the system where you you know really have to prove your innocence or lose custody of your children is is a terrifying thing and really raises large questions about uh, whether the state is playing too large a role in guaranteeing the safety of children.
0: So, what what are the uh, due process uh, protections that parents have? Because it it seems at the very least galling and a little sickening that there's a government agency that can Do precisely that, which is swoop in, take away your kids, and then compel you to sign away some uh, right that you have in order to get them back.
1: So the basic idea of due process is that you have to be allowed a hearing where your concerns are going to be heard, where you can speak for yourself, and you have to be given notice of that hearing. And of course... Many people think, in good faith, that there has to be an exception to this when children's safety is at issue. And so you don't get these kind of standard due process protections. Instead, you get immediate state action. And, you know, one can understand that uh, the safety of children carries great weight, and one can understand... That the protection of people's rights also carries great weight, and so it is a—I think—it's a very difficult issue to get the balance right. And and I, you know, it's it's my own view that uh, what we've seen is is that uh, it's highly unbalanced uh, 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 in many ways uh, because of this problem of due process that you've
0: identified. So, what is the parents' rights proposal? So, my, one of my heroes,
1: State Senator Alan Clark, looked at the current. Child welfare statute, and, and in particular, looked at the child neglect statute in Arkansas, and and he discovered that uh, that statute contains a lot of language, uh, uh, essentially saying, and this and this is representative of the of the fifty states. That statute says things like, uh, you know, you're you're not supposed to uh, let your children uh, be by themselves at an inappropriate age. Uh, uh, you know, if the statute says that you're Ha- you're conducting inadequate parental supervision. Uh, if you have a situation that puts the child at risk of harm, uh, or under inappropriate circumstances that uh, contain uh, contain a dangerous situation. And of course, if you, if you think about this, you can see that this flunks the basic test of the rule of law, right? Because law is supposed to give you guidance or direction about what you're supposed to do or what you're not supposed to do. Now, who knows what's inappropriate, right? Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of discretion there, but uh, a related but different issue is, do we really want to say that it's bad parenting to expose your child to a risk of harm, right? Because everything, right? Every situation, almost every situation is conceivable is a risk of harm. I take my children out hiking. That's clearly, you know, the the reason that people go hiking, I think, is in some some respects because it's slightly risky. If I let my child go bicycle riding around the block, you know, that's clearly a risk of harm. Perhaps even letting my child go outside without putting on sunscreen, perhaps that's a a risk of harm. And so you can see that uh, this is terrible language that lends itself to uh, really bad enforcement. So, to answer your question what senator clark did was he said we're going to create some safe harbors we're going to have this list of things that children are able to do such as walking to school or walking to a park or you know walking to a destination or staying staying alone by themselves as long as the child in question has the capacity to avoid immediate danger and a significant risk of harm that was the language that he used now even that right even that's a little bit over general but i think it Speaks to the underlying problem and and addresses the uh, the problem in a in a much different in a much superior way because it says you know if you do these things these are these are these type of activities as long as the child has the capacity to avoid danger if you let your child do these activities you're probably okay you're probably not being a bad parent and so that's that sort of that changes the calculus a lot so that was the
0: nature of the proposal what do these agencies understand as their role. Well, Currently.
1: Yeah, so, so, it's an, so it's an interesting question. When we brought this proposal to the legislature, you know, many legislators found it reasonable, but uh, there were some third-party groups that uh, really found it quite objectionable, and one was the representative of the Prosecutors' Association. And she came before the, the relevant committee uh, in, in the House, and she, and she explained, you know, we're neutral on this bill, but I do want to bring it to your attention. That if you just change a few circumstances, right? If you if you just uh, if you just uh, uh, have it such that uh, uh, the child uh, doesn't quite know, uh, you know how to reach the parent, or or you know if if the child is, is walking for too long a distance or something like that. If you just change a few circumstances, then you could be committing a crime, and and be- because of that, because this is this kind of neglect or neglect type behavior is so close to committing a crime, you know, we feel, like, we feel like this parents' rights law is kind of dangerous because it removes our discretion as prosecutors. And so, and so uh, you know, we just want you to be mindful, even though we're neutral, we want you to be mindful of our concerns about this. And so I think it would have been politically very difficult for the Prosecutors Association to oppose this, but, but the representative did everything that she could to uh, uh, make legislators very scared.
0: Well yeah and, the, yeah, and there's prosecutors have one weapon they could charge you with a crime
1: yes and yes. That, that and that's it yes and and uh apparently this representative was quite concerned about the discretion this would take away or the the lack of future discretion that the that the creation of this law would lead to
0: okay, so where is that head where is that uh change headed and you said that the, the, these uh These rules, these vague sort of statutes, are in many states.
1: Right, and so what I found to be most interesting was the the response of uh, the people who were the response of the legislators who were who were really against this because you know we had testimony from the sponsor who who, who said, "Look, we have a situation that's making my life considerably more difficult, and I think making parents' lives typically." A bit more difficult, which is, you know, why can't you just leave your child in the car for a moment when you when you run into the store and, and get something to eat? You know, if you're, if your child's, you know, old enough to to be able to, you know, build a deal with, uh, you know, reality, and you know, this, this is not presenting any serious danger to the child. Why, why can't you just leave your your child in the car for two minutes and run inside? It's it's leaving out the issues where it's you know it's very very hot or very cold, but if it's essentially a situation where a reasonable person would think it's safe. Yeah, you know, what's what's the problem? That was that was his argument, and and so the speaker of the house uh, in Arkansas, whose whose opinions carry great weight, was actually a member of this committee, and he said, "Well, look, people are acting as if this is really no big deal. I, I just want to I want to bring up something important here. Are you familiar with the statistics on how how long it takes to carjack a car? It takes about forty five seconds. And this had an immense amount of uh, this had an immense impact on the committee." And what was interesting about it is I think it's, a, it's an attempt to discuss risk in a highly unsophisticated way, because uh, I went back and, and looked, and I don't know that the amount of time uh, it takes to carjack a car is of great relevance, but I mean, it seems to me that what is of relevance is, is the actual danger, right, that, that you put your child into if you leave your child in the car for two minutes. And, and you can't really say anything authoritative about that until you know something about the frequency, right, of of carjackings, and in fact, if you if you have a, if you have a child, there's really no chance, as a general matter, nearly no chance they'll be kidnapped by strangers. And more precisely, there is a zero point zero 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 one four percent chance your child's going to be uh, kidnapped by strangers. Essentially, okay, as a, as a statistical matter, this essentially never happens. And, and so I think that there is a there's an emphasis, often in policymaking on talking about hilariously unlikely things and, and treating them as if they are, you know, live dangers. You know, that's the difference, right, between having a reasonable understanding unreason- and an unreasonable understanding of things. And, and, of course, policymakers like to appeal, I think, sometimes to these uh, unreasonable fears. And, and, you know, one thing I was sort of thinking about, you know, these, these sorts of things obviously always occur to you after the hearing, right? Never, never during the hearing. But I was, I was sort of thinking about other dangers that we, we don't really worry about that are much more significant. And I, I will, I will tell you about one danger that, that occurred to me. And I, I, I hope, uh, I hope this is suitable for this podcast, but uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a extremely dangerous uh, item that, that most of us use every day, something that uh, uh, is relative to child kidnapping, there's an extremely dangerous item that most of us use every day. It results typically in about uh, 2,000 visits to the emergency room every year. It is, uh, to be blunt, uh, a pair of pants. And more precisely, this, uh, it's, it, these injuries are disproportionate. They only happen to men. And, and I, again, I, I hope this is not inappropriate to bring up, these are genital related injuries. Apparently when you carelessly zip up your pants, about 2,000 people every year go to the emergency room. Uh, uh, 2,000 men go to the emergency room every year because they have carelessly zipped up their pants and entangled a part of their anatomy in it. Now, you know, one could argue that this is reason enough to eliminate pants or to say, you know, this is so dangerous that from now on we really only ought to have drawstring pants that we we, we really cannot afford. You know, the, the immense social cost of zippers on pants is so large that we really cannot, in some sense, afford to have, have pants anymore. But, you know, there's another conclusion that might be drawn that, uh, in fact, having zippers on pants is so convenient that it is worth the cost of the microscopically large risk of going to the emergency room that you, that you run into every time you put on a pair of pants.
0: All right, so in terms of making it for a more rational system of caring for children, what is the direction that most states ought to be moving? What are some specific changes that most states should adopt with respect to giving this uh, unchecked, if temporary, authority to uh, CMS Mm -hmm. or CPS and uh, also trying to respect the rights of parents?
1: So I think that the Arkansas law, uh, that was proposed by Senator Clark, the the Parents' Rights Law, or I should say, the legislation, uh, goes in a very good direction, and and it's it's not just that it allows uh, uh, allows safe harbor for many traditional parenting practices, such as you know allowing your children to go out and ride bicycles out of your you know out out of your field of vision, uh, or you know walk around the block out of your field of vision. It's not just that uh, it allows safe harbor for those kinds of practices. It also, speaking generally, it allows parents. A little bit more control over the type of risks that uh, uh, they choose and their and their children choose, which you know obviously uh, that's 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 the way it should be, and and so so I, although it's going to require legislators to have more intelligent views about risks than they sometimes do, and and policymakers have more intelligent views about risks than they sometimes do, uh, which will be difficult. Uh, I think that uh, in the long run, I, I think and hope that we will we will see protection of uh, of parents' rights in this area, and you know and let let uh, let parents choose their choose their own destiny and let children choose their own destiny. And I, I I guess I'll you know I guess I'll say one more thing about this if I if I could, because you know parenting, as as uh, uh, several people have observed before me, is a spectator sport. Right? People have differences of opinion about what uh, what what the correct parenting practice is. And uh, the wonderful journalist, Lenore Scanese, she sort of finds these uh, uh, sort of hysterical uh, uh, instances of people overreacting about, uh, you know, microscopic uh, problems for children's safety. You know, she found this wonderful thing in this parents magazine where, where uh, this, this magazine recommended that you bring a pair of shoelaces with you when you bring your child to someone's house. On the theory that you know, apparently children will wander around. And they'll they'll open cabinets and so forth. And you know, if you have a child opening cabinets, I mean, God only knows what 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 might happen, right? And so the thing to do is to bring this pair of shoelaces, and then you can sort of tie up the handles so that you know children won't open sh- open cabinets and so forth. And uh, you know, and the upside, right, is that uh, if you do this, if you tie down these cabinets as you visit other people's houses, then I suppose you will have a microscopic increase. In, in safety, and the, the downside, if you bring these parachute laces with you, is that people will think that you're insane, and you know, and that's that's the uh, that's the kind of trade-off, that's the kind of balance that you have, and I think that illustrates that uh, it's going to be difficult or impossible for government to uh, make these kinds of decisions for people, and it just makes a lot more sense for different people to make their own decisions about their own risks and and, the, and their children's
0: risks. Daniel Greenberg is president of the Advance Arkansas Institute. We spoke at the State Policy Network annual meeting. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.